You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Broadway Gives Back Podcast. I'm your host, Jan Svensson. This podcast spotlights Broadway actors, shows, and organizations in their pursuit of social impact and philanthropy. Join us as some of the brightest lights on Broadway share their stories about their favorite charities and how they got involved, and the people and the causes who benefited from these philanthropic efforts. My guests this week are dear friends, a beautiful and talented couple. Sergio Trujillo and Jack Noseworthy are two incredibly talented artists and philanthropists. Sergio is a Tony Award-winning director and a choreographer and has worked on shows such as Ain't Too Proud, Memphis, On Your Feet, Next to Normal, and Jersey Boys. He's also worked in television on the Kennedy Center Honors on CBS and Annie Live on NBC. Jack is an actor who has made an indelible mark in theater, film, and television, and now works as the head of individual giving on the Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS development team. He takes his amazing talent from acting on stage and in front of the camera to being an activist. Sergio and Jack are indeed the power couple, supporting many causes, including marriage equality, LGBTQ rights, family equality, food insecurities. They're also the parents of one of the most lovable little boys I've ever had the privilege of hugging. And I'm so lucky to have them here today. Although I must warn you that right now, Sergio is at a swim lesson with his little son, Lucas. So there might be some background noise. And Jack is at the airport about to get on a flight. So I appreciate that they've carved out this time to talk to us today. Welcome, Sergio and Jack. Thank you, Jan. Thank you so much for having us on this show. We've been so, so excited about talking to you today. Thank you so much for that lovely introduction. That was really kind. We're so happy to be here. Uh, well, I adore you guys. Um, so listen, I obviously know you, but um, for the sake of our listeners, um, so they can get to know you better, I wanted to do a little sort of quick Q&A at the top of this um, podcast. And so I, is it okay with you if I ask you a few questions? Of course, please. All right. So this is like answer as quickly as you can. So I'm going to go first, Sergio. If you could be a member of any fictional family on Broadway or in a movie or television, what family would you want to be a member of? Mm, probably Modern Family. Cool. How about you, Jack? Um, the Brady Bunch. You've already been on the Brady Bunch. Oh, that's <laughs> he, he started in the Brady Bunch, so but you can never be in the actual family. So that's always been your dream, I guess. <laughs> I have no words for that one. Um, but speaking of words, um, Jack, give me three words that describe you. Passionate, 
happy and engaged. Sergio, what three words would you use for Jack? Alive, restless, and motivated. Is that you or is that Jack? (laughs) No, that's Jack. (laughs) Okay. And what about you? How about three words for you? I am very present, very passionate, and very uh, 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 restless. Jack, what do you think? What are his three words? I would say focused, motivated, and handsome. Oh, I should have used those three. Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. This is not the newlywed game, but it's kind of fun. Um, (laughs) For sure. You You caught me off guard. Well, that's the idea. Okay. Jack, what is Sergio's favorite or most used emoji? He doesn't like emojis at all, and he doesn't use them. Actually, he's very much against them. I'm an emoji. I'm an emoji hater. Most of it because I can never see them, so I don't understand them. <laughs> okay. And what about Jack? Does he use emojis? No, neither. We're not an emoji family, unfortunately. You're not. Okay. No. Okay. Good to know. Well, on a more serious tone here, what do you each give a damn about? Like, what right now do you most care about? in the world. So in terms of, you know, we're talking about philanthropy in terms of about giving back and what we care about and what we're really invested in. And I'd have to say that we both care a lot about food insecurity and, and, um, and, you know, being part of an organization that supports food insecurity on, on multiple levels. Um, I think that's important to Sergio and I really understanding that the idea that food is the portal to everything. It's the portal to health. It's the portal to conversation and, and the portal to connection and communication. So I would say, um, that, that would be, uh, at the top of my list. Wow. Sergio, I see why you married this guy. Yeah. <laughs> 31 years we've been together. I was just going to say, you guys have been together for so long. How did you meet? I mean, I know the story, but can you tell everybody else? Yes, we were in, uh, we were doing our first Broadway show, Jerome Robbins Broadway, 1989. We were, we were great friends for, for about a year before we got together. But that was, that was the show that brought us together. And what a show, what a, what a, what a moment. I fell in love with the minute I saw him. I thought he was the most, the most beautiful man I had ever seen. Oh, that's romantic. So Sergio, you were born in Colombia, raised in Toronto. You studied science at University of Toronto. You went to chiropractic school, and that all led you to a career in dancing, directing, and being a choreographer. Can you explain that? I know, right? Just uh, the formula just sort of all falls into place, right? The thing that you would imagine would be. No, you know, I, I um, in my second year of chiropractic school, I was, I was at a crossroads. I really wanted to dance. Really, my entire time that I was in university, I really wanted to dance. But, you know, being the son of an immigrant, you know, the responsibility is to find yourself or or at least, you know, get a, a, a respectable career, which would mean, you know, something secure, like being a doctor or what have you. But really, what was in my heart was really to dance. So I, I decided to take a year off from school. And uh, I said to myself, if I'm going to do it, I have to come to New York. I have to come to America where the best are at because I'll never know. And I took a that leap of faith for one year. The clock was ticking. I came to New York first. Um, I auditioned for many things. I studied. Um, and then nothing was really happening in New York. And then I went to L.A. to try out, you know, because I also wanted to dance. 
with being in New York, I wanted to dance in Broadway shows. In LA, I wanted to dance in web film and television, music videos. And it was while I was in LA that I auditioned for Jerome Robbins Broadway. I was I was hired as a replacement for the original company. Uh, and that my life changed forever and ever, both in my career and in my life, because that's where I met Jack. Wow, I've got goosebumps. <laughs> I really do. You also, you were the first choreographer invited to serve as a voting member of the American Theater Wing's advisory committee. I wondered, you know, like now when we talk about inclusion and diversity and equity um, and, you know, you're, you know, you're being an immigrant and, and coming from, you know, like a Latinx country. Um, I just wondered what that meant to you and what you think also in terms of just being a choreographer, what that meant for you and bringing that skill set to the table at the wing. First of all, I was, I, was, I was surprised to know that I was the first choreographer. And walking into the room for the first time, I was very reverent to the people that were in that room. You know, so many people who I've looked up to, so much, so many people who I've I really admire and respect. But really, truthfully, when I sat on my chair, I realized that I had a huge responsibility. It is important to me to represent, not only as a choreographer, but more importantly, a cultural representation by getting the seat at the table. And so it comes with a lot, it does come with a lot of responsibility because I want to make sure that that people like me, brown people, are, are listened to, are being paid attention to, are not being overlooked. Last year, I, I went up to bat to try to get a specific person recognized. And um, I was really incredibly surprised by the support I got from the other members of, of the board. And uh, so I'm just sort of putting it all together for you in a way that it's really become, in, in a way, a, a way of, of making sure that I am, that I have a voice that I am an activist in that way. And I'm, I'm taking it really, really serious. Well, also, I mean, we met because you were on the advisory board or on the, on the actual board for Viva Broadway, helping to bridge the gap between Broadway and the Latinx community. And you've also, you're on the advisory board for Revolución Latina, New York Theater Barn, right? Uh-huh. So you really do put your time and your effort and your representation, in, you know, in a place where you are, you know, able to make some some efforts in that area. And um, I mean, I know I appreciated so much working with you as a board member. And I just wondered, you know, how how do you see things changing right now in that in that regard? Yeah, I also just became a board member for Bella Hispanico as well. I am really making trying to make sure that the conversation continues, that is not just a phase, that you know, that is not just a moment because of what happened two years ago with him and what is happening with Black Lives Matter, I think that that we all together, collectively, the BIPOC community, have the opportunity, have the megaphone. And I don't I don't want this to just be a, a face. I think that it's important to carry the work on. And so I am trying to, in, in any way, shape or form I can, to continue to be one of the, the people that is in the front lines and fighting for the cause. Well, you certainly are. And you're so respected for doing it. Jack. So I know that your Broadway debut was not in Jerome Robbins Broadway, but in the national. Well, maybe it was, was it? No, it was in Cats. It was in Cats. I, I came to New York and went on my very first professional audition. I went to a, an open non-equity call for the Broadway show Cats and I got cast in the national tour. And I graduated from college on the road with a Broadway show. Wow. 
And then my first Broadway show was Jerome Robbins Broadway. That was my Broadway debut. So. Okay. And I remember like you were in The Sweet Smell of Success with John Lithgow. What does the theater mean to you? At the center of what it is for me is that it is this shrine that people come to, whether you're on stage or in the audience. It's this cathedral that everyone enters and has uh, a unique congregate experience that will never, ever happen again. And so... The idea that you are sharing a story and then you or you're receiving a story, it will never happen for these people uh, in this way ever again, whether you are telling it or hearing it. There's something so incredibly exciting about that. I feel like what I'm drawn to is that once in a lifetime experience. But on the flip side of it, there's an enormous amount of technique and respect and um, really stewarding your talent and your um, your instrument and your relationships within the community to have um, a, a long-term career. So I think that what it means to me is family. You transitioned then from theater to film to television. What was that like? And why did you, I mean, a lot of people who've been on the podcast have said they've come out West to do television and film so that they could then make some money so they could go back to theater and do what they really love. But I wonder, because you've really had the sort of trifecta of, of being in all mediums. I was just sort of super lucky that I was able to vacillate back and forth to film and TV. I had um, I, I had auditioned for uh, the original company of Miss Saigon, and I didn't get the job. And Richard Maltby, who was one of the lyricists, was working on a show in California and 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 thought that I was right for it. So I went out and and, and met the folks on that show, and and I had a very brief period of time. And I got an agent in four weeks and six weeks later, I was on another series and I was primed for it. I had trained and I worked on it, but then the opportunities came and I, I, I just, you know, I was lucky, but then I'd also done the work. So I think Sergio and I are very similar in that way. Um, that once I'd, I'd done that, I saw, oh, this is a really interesting thing. Like, I only thought I would ever do the theater, but then I started working in film and television, and and then I would go from one to the other, and, and you just sort of learn how to adjust your technique for each medium. And I'm, I'm thrilled that I was able to, you know, do all three, because it, it's really satisfying to go back and forth between them. I can imagine it is, but then you took this other jump and so I just find it so amazing that you are just this incredibly holistic, multifaceted person where now you're working as part of the team at Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS. And I just wanted you to talk a little bit about your work with Broadway Cares. And first of all, as I'm as we're speaking, Jack is in a car going to the airport. So you're coming from a show where you were doing some fundraising. So just talk a little bit about the whole Broadway Cares experience, but particularly your experience today. Sure. So we're we're actually coming to the end of our six week um, fundraising season, which we call um, our spring fundraising season, which is the um, the uh, Easter bonnet competition, and um, we fundraise in the spring and in the fall. And this season, we're finally back with our red buckets after two years, almost two and a half years of not fundraising because of COVID. Right, the theaters were closed, and so it's been really an all hands on deck effort to stand outside of the theaters and hold a red bucket. We're so honored that the theater owners welcome us in, the producers of the shows welcome us in, and the organization and our volunteers are able to stand there 
as the uh, actors give a, a, an appeal from the stage to um, ask for assistance. And then the audience comes out and, and we, they drop money into the red bucket. And it's very, very exciting to stand there and know that the dollars that are being dropped into that bucket will immediately go out and help people in need. Tom Viola, our executive director, believes that the need is now. And so our fiscal year is from September 30th to, uh, you know, it, it ends in September and starts in October. So we start at zero every year. So every dollar we raise immediately goes right back out into the community to help people. And that's something that I'm enormously proud of, uh, of our organization. I work as a development officer on the development team and have a portfolio of donors that I work with who are incredibly supportive and longtime donors as part of our annual giving society. But also what, what you were getting at today, I was also holding a bucket. I happened to be at Hamilton this afternoon, um, knowing that I was coming to talk to you and prepared to get in this car and hook up and talk to you. And as I was standing there, the show ended and the audience was applauding the show and they were doing a small auction and they were auctioning off items from the show. And Lin-Manuel walked out to the audience to start the auction. He comes there apparently once a year, every, every collection season, and does one auction. It happened to be this afternoon. And when I tell you the roar that came out of that audience today, I think you could have, you could have heard it all on the island of Manhattan. The audience was so excited. And the idea that Lynn came out and did the auction and did the appeal speech and spoke about Broadway Cares was so heartwarming for me to hear as, as an employee and a fellow actor and part of the community, but someone like Lynn, who, who obviously Sergio is, is, is friendly with and has worked with and is part of the Latinx community as well, to speak so eloquently about our community and what it is that Broadway Cares does, then to have the audience dropping the money into the bucket and buying a somebody's shirt got auctioned for $1,000. I had a woman walk out and I said, and she dropped $25 in my bucket and she was crying. And she said, I'm from London. I cannot believe this just happened to me today. And she will have that memory with her for the rest of her life. And she will remember Broadway Cares and she will remember the, the good that the community does, and she will remember Lynn, and she will come back and hopefully have an exciting experience the next time she comes back. And, and, and so it's that feeling and the excitement around our community and the good that the donors and, and people that are funders to Broadway Cares are doing that, that is very exciting. It's, it's so incredible that you do all of these things. Now, do you ever take acting gigs in addition to your work at Broadway Cares? I do. Um, um, out of out of uh, the blue, things come up, and I'll and I'll take a gig. Um, um, I I I was actually on Law and Order last week. Um, I uh, Law and Order called and, and offered me a a role on Law and Order, and I filmed it a few weeks ago, and it actually aired last week. So so I played a senator on Law and Order. It was my fourth time on the show, so that's really it's always fun. You know, you you know you're a New York actor when you're when you when you get to be on Law and Order. So it's my fourth time. So I think I can. Uh, you know, hang on to that as a as a, a major feather in my cap. So, yeah, absolutely. So obviously, you have this amazing son, Lucas, and I wanted to connect that a little bit because I know that I've seen you two at galas for um, the organization for um, family equality. I remember when you guys were thinking about starting a family and having that conversation, and I just wondered how did how did this change your lives. Obviously, not having a babysitter today was one thing, but in general, it's like a bigger picture. You know, I think what Lucas, has, has, our son, has brought us is he's enriched our lives in a way that uh, it was part of our, of our evolution as a couple. 
Jack wanted to have a family close to like 18 years ago. You know, Jack was ready for it. I wasn't ready yet. And, and that was that's the wonderful thing about Jack and I. I think what we've been together for so long is that we've been able, always been incredibly respectful of each other's sort of time, emotional time, or or the whatever phase that we're going through. We're always incredibly supportive. And, you know, Jack understood that, you know, for me, it was just a matter of time before I was ready. And uh, really, I mean, he's brought life and breath and joy and happiness and all of the things that we already feel for each other but in a way enriched it and taken even further and and given it even more meaning and you know when i was choreographing annie all i kept on thinking about was is lucas gonna like this you know so i look at i think i think we're both looking at, at what we do through his lens and and uh figuring out a way of, of um how do we enrich his life is he gonna be is he going to be proud of his of his papa when he watches Annie? Is he going to be? Is he going to enjoy the show? All of those wonderful things that come with with uh, with having children. Well, I'll never forget. Like, oh my God, he was so delicious. We were we were together. I was after one of the Broadway Cares races, and um, oh, those little kisses and those hugs. It was the best, just the best. Um, Jack, back to you. So, like, talk a little bit about um, you know how this child has not just changed your life, but also in terms of being, you know, um, a, a supporter of family equality, like how you guys are kind of a role model for that in many ways. Yeah, Sergio's right. I mean, I did want to start a family earlier, but you know that it happens. The couple needs to be aligned and, and we need to have the, um, the, the same ideas and goals for what a family means and what a family is. And so it took us a little while to get there. And, um, and I think, um, our child and it surprises me so much how he really dictates in many ways how this family unit operates mostly in good ways yes <laughs> that's true with all children <laughs> mostly in good ways but sometimes not I, I i had a breakdown on the sidewalk today when i was trying to get him home from school and you're like trying to get him to move forward but um but but it was um I think what it did was Sergio talked about the evolution of our relationship, and that is certainly true. Um, but I, I, I think I, what I would add is that we came to this as older parents, right? You know, we weren't kids, and and we'd had successful careers and were happy in our lives. And had had we had a child earlier, when I thought you know I was ready and he needed time, I I don't think we would have been as happy. You know, we, we, we are having children later. Our, our level of management skill is much greater as, as older parents. And because we are, um, we're both so happy and content in our careers, still aggressively pursuing bigger things, but, but, but feel that uh, we're at a, we have a level of confidence about what we've accomplished and don't feel like we've missed out on anything or are missing out on anything. So that when Sergio says it was the next uh, uh, you know, level, the next evolution of our relationship, um, I would definitely agree. But um, I would also add that I think the reason why it, it's, a, it's positive is because I think if we didn't have children, I think Sergio and I had also gotten to a place where we were very, very happy. So having a child moved us into another realm of our relationship that started from a place of contentment and happiness 
And so the unexpected joys and frustrations and craziness of having a child are something that we can welcome that elevates our relationship. Whereas I think if we weren't in that place prior to that, it, it would have, um, it would have just been different. That's all. So we, I think what I'm trying to get at is that we can truly appreciate where we are and how we got here because it, it actually took a long time. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, in raising Lucas, how do you plan to incorporate the ideas of charity, of social activism, and of philanthropy. I, I grew up in, a, in the, uh, the, the Episcopal and Methodist churches in, in Massachusetts. And my church was always so active in giving back to the community. And without even knowing it, we were doing bake sales and pancake breakfasts to raise money for things. And so it, I think, unknowingly set this kind of philanthropy in me um, that that I want to be able to pass on to my child. So when I think about na- when I think about now and how you do that, I would say one of the simplest things is on Thanksgiving, you know, to to sort of start an early awareness of philanthropy. Having Lucas go to the Covenant House on Thanksgiving and serve food to uh, young adults and teenagers that that are homeless or are, are are trying to find their way, so that he can understand where he is and his privilege privileged to have a loving family, privileged to have a roof over his head, privileged to have meals in his body, right, in his, in his, in his stomach, and know that there's other people out there that need assistance. And I think just gradually introducing him to the idea of giving back so that when he is able to give back on his own, he'll understand what that means. I totally agree. Um, I think one of the other things that I would really love to do is, as you know, as everything normalizes, is I want to bring him to the Revolution Latina Danceathons, begin to bring them to the um, Broadway flea market. You know, when I can, again, if there is events at Ballet Hispanico, I want to be able to bring him that, you know, uh, uh, really expose him and surround himself with with the activism and so that he's aware of the kind of work that we're doing, because I think that'll inspire him as well. Sergio, when you were growing up, were you, was your family or were you in a community um, where people were sort of dem- demonstrative and, and being philanthropic? Did you learn from, you know, your family or members or from your, you know, organizations or churches or anything like that? Or how did you become the, philan- the philanthropist and social activist that you are, I guess is my question. Um, I, don't, I didn't, you know, I grew up, I, what I grew up though was surrounded by a community. We grew up in a, in a lower class neighborhood where, 
the the different families, the friends that lived in the same neighborhood would help each other out and you know they would pitch in if somebody was was down and out or what have you. Um, I think you know someone would bring meals if somebody couldn't provide. I think by watching that, you know, there was like it really that was like at the, at the sort of the, the really the root of of, of really of activism is just really being in kind, just providing kind, being kind is is something that I really learned from from my my by being in Colombia, by being in that neighborhood, by being surrounded by that community. So I learned that's where I learned it from. It wasn't my family didn't have the means to to really be in a in a place where they could be activists, you know, in that way. So I think I carry that I carry all of that really really deep within me. When you think about this idea of being a change maker in today's world, um, I wonder, like, what advice would you give listeners on how they can be change makers, on how they could be either activists or philanthropists? And, you know, many of us talk about how, look, you know, I, I can't write big checks, but I can, you know, I can volunteer my time, you know. Um, but I wondered, you know, what advice would you give people to become involved? I think the thing is to hone in on on your passion. I think to hone in on the thing that really motivates you, the thing that really drives you, the thing that really where you want to make change. And it took me it took me a while. It didn't take me a while. I knew it. It was just a matter of when. But really, by embracing my my past, by embracing my heritage, by embracing my culture, has really allowed me to really put myself in that position where. I must do something about helping the community. And, and how can I do that? And so that is where my passion lies. And so that is the way. So find find the passion that fuels you, you know, and how do you, and how you want to enact change. And Jack, you mentioned earlier about food insecurities as being something you were passionate about. Is that is that an example of that for you? Yeah, I I, I think that um Certainly finding something that you believe in or something that's personally affected you that you feel you can be authentic and be an authentic voice for that organization or that particular cause. Um, I would add to to what Sergio said and, and what we talked about earlier that I think activism really does start with with individuals. And and so it really is talking and listening to one person and understanding that when someone's different from you or you are different from someone else or if you have something that someone else doesn't have that there's this moment where you can realize where where we all kind of want the same thing which is happiness love kindness with each other and i think on an individual basis i really believe that philanthropy starts with listening and respecting each other as individuals. And that as a platform is, is the launching pad for how you can find an organization or a cause for yourself to actually um, ha have an authentic voice for. Oh, I want to stitch all that on a pillow, a needlepoint pillow. Thank you. That was, that was beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'll take that for sure. What, what changes would you both like to see I'd, I'm going to say on Broadway and the theater in general, but, you know, even broader than that for you, particularly Jack, you know, on, in, in the entertainment industry, what, what are the most important changes that you think need to happen? I think that this idea that we have so much access 
because of the internet and because there's so much content available um, that it's unbelievably exciting what how much opportunity for entertainment if we're talking about entertainment is at your fingertips but um i i think if there was anything to change about that i i i would really, really love it if people took the broadway stage and took live theater and understood the power of it and 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 um seeing some seeing it on tv seeing it uh you know as a streaming production of it which are all really wonderful um i wish people had as much need to come to live theater as much as they do to sit and watch watch a program on TV. So if there was anything that I would have changed, it would be, I don't know, I don't want to go back in time, but the idea that Broadway and theater was this massive form of entertainment that drove popular culture, um, I, I'd like to see some of that happening again. And I think we saw it with Hamilton, um, you know, where it really did drive popular culture. But I think artists and creative people um, can, can if they can really invest and tell authentic stories, that people will come and people will come back and, um, and, and it will be alive as it was before. Um, I think something that I just want to refer back to, I think that what... Um... And it just re redirect me if I if I'm straying away from from the actual question, but I think it's about making sure that what is happening right now, and I, and I'm specifically talking about the theater community because that's where I live, that's where I work, that's where that's where my life is, and that's what I care about. I think what I want to make sure is that what it's whatever movement is right now, whatever reckoning is happening right now, that is not just trans transitional, that is not just for the moment. That I think that we collectively. Are, are continue to be responsible, that we continue to figure out to have a hand in it, all of us collectively, all of us together, because this is not gonna happen today, it's not gonna happen tomorrow, it's gonna take, it's gonna take time, and it's gonna take education, and it's gonna take exposure, it's gonna take more than a community, it's gonna take, it's, it's beyond that, it's gonna take breaking, breaking boundaries, so, that's 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 where the the, the idea of change and, and how um, does that make sense? Does that, did I did I stay on point? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's interesting because some of the things we've talked about, on the one hand, are you know this respect for the individual, and then at the same time, this um, feeling of the community and the collective. And I feel like those two concepts are really beautiful to merge together. When I go to the shrine, when I go to the temple, or whatever you want to call it. Jack, that was such a good point. You know, I feel like when I do go to see theater, it is like a religious experience in many ways. And you're sitting in the dark in this group of people and you're, you know, exchanging energy and and you're, um, you know, experiencing this storytelling. But, you know, I, I went to the theater for the first time in, you know, two years and three months last week and I just sobbed. Uh, before the show even started, because it was just so amazing to be in that shrine. Um, so there is something about the collective experience, but there's also something very much about the individual responsibility and the responsibility that we all have about, um, you know, Sergio, to your point, about listening and learning and educating ourselves and being more sensitive to everything that's going on. Um, so I feel like you both hit on such big macro and smaller micro points that are really important in being, um, in seeing change and in a life in the theater and being a philanthropist. Because even back to the idea of just being 
philanthropic. You know, you can be big and and you can write big checks or you can, you know, be the chair of a, a board of an organization. But you can also, to your earlier point, it can be really small and it can just be about being kind to one person, right? I think that, yeah, I, I and I and I think that, um, it, you know, if there was a way for people to understand that, you know, you think philanthropy and it does somehow it, I, I guess for me, it does have this idea of um, that it's just rich people writing checks, right? It, it just, just the word philanthropy feels like something that's out of reach for me. And, and so, or for someone. And I, and I, and so that idea, I wish we could somehow collectively get people to realize that philanthropy has, um, has so many meetings and meanings and that, that everyone can be a philanthropist and it, and it doesn't have, it doesn't necessarily have to be giving money to something. Right. I, I wish we could somehow change the, the narrative about that. Yeah. Um, you know, it's been really wonderful to talk to you. Um, and and uh, has allowed me to reflect a lot and and if anything, it has you have encouraged me to continue the work at hand. Um, and and uh, I'm reminded that um, that that I'm on the right path. There's not there's never enough time to do the work. Um, so thank you for 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 asking me these questions because you actually gave me a moment to pause. And, and really think about it. And, and we must do that in the course of, you know, week, you know, Jack and I, I mean, <laughs> we're going, and as you know, having kids as well, you know, but we're going, 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 and we never ever take a moment to pause and reflect in this way. So thank you for, for inviting us to be part of this, because I think that it's just given us a moment to, to talk and, and discuss the things that are important to us and, and um, reassess and um, really, and uh, take a moment to uh, to continue and remind ourselves that we need to continue the work. So thank you. Well, you both are such role models for being change makers. Um, whether it be you know volunteering your time um, and being on boards of important causes or working at Broadway Cares Act when he fights AIDS. Um, so I just want to thank you both. And as we speak, Sergio, you are you know in a little I don't know I guess you're in a reception room waiting for your son's swimming lesson to be over. And Jack, you're on your way to the airport. And I think you're sitting like in an airport lounge or something or lobby. I just want to thank you both for taking the time to chat with me today. I really appreciate it. And I know that everybody listening will be inspired by both of you. I just want to say thank you. It was such a wonderful opportunity for the three of us to get together, um, uh, albeit virtually. Thank you for giving us the platform to talk about things that are important to us and for caring enough to, to do what you're doing. So. Uh, so thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Broadway Gives Back podcast. Broadway Gives Back is part of the Broadway Podcast Network. Special thanks to my producing partner, writer, editor, and friend, Jim Lochner. And thank you to everyone at BPN, including Dory Berenstein, Alan Seals, and Kimberly Garris. I'd also like to thank Julian Hills from the Bulldog Agency and Eric Becker from Broderick Street Music. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and rate this podcast wherever you stream your podcasts. You can also follow Broadway Gives Back on Facebook and Instagram at Broadway Gives Back Podcast and on Twitter at Broadway Gives. To learn more, visit bpn.fm slash Broadway Gives Back. Thanks so much.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.